Thank you for that music. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Why don't we uh, begin with a word of prayer and we'll continue with our series in the book of Ephesians. Father in heaven, pray that you'd continue to be with me as I speak and be with everyone as they're <clears throat> sitting here live or watching on one of their electronic devices at home. May you continue to truly speak through me and may you speak to all these people for your glory and all of our benefit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 today. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1 and 2, if you'll turn with me in your Bible or smartphone or tablet. <clears throat> Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, Paul writes, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When I was a kid, <clears throat> I played football almost every day. And some of you may think, oh, you were raised in Montana, how do you do that? Even when it was snowing, it was almost more fun. We just loved to play football. <clears throat> and then the snow, it was... It was really soft, so if, you, know, you didn't have a hard landing. Played football at school, during recess, after school, in the neighborhood. Played football constantly. Watched it on television, and it had a way of just kind of rubbing off on me. And I thought, man, when I get older, when I grow up, I'm going to play professional football. And I was planning to do that until the Lord had the Sabbath and other plans. But it was just, it was rubbing off on me. That's all I thought about. That's all I wanted to do. It was on my walls. It was all around me. And when something's all around you, it rubs off on you. Well, I was also surrounded by a lot of people that own businesses. People that own gas stations and car centers and well drilling and, and car dealerships and, and, and gift card companies and decorations and uh, pump and heating and irrigation companies. This was my grandmother, my grandpa and um, my parents and aunts and uncles and reality stations and my friends and siblings and the people around me just own businesses for whatever reason. And subconsciously, I didn't realize it, but as a little kid growing up around people that own businesses, I just kind of thought, well, I guess when I grow up, I'm going to guess I'm going to own a business too. And sure enough, when I got out of school, I, I owned my own business for a while before I got into ministry. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, 2 Corinthians 3.18, to paraphrase what he wrote to a different church, that our surroundings have a way of, of rubbing off on us. Our surroundings rub off on us. Just like Noah. Noah spent a lot of time around God. You know, it never rained a single raindrop for approximately 2,000 years. Not a single raindrop. But Noah spent so much time around God, he was convinced before it ever happened, no, everything's going to flood. Because he spent time around God, so it rubbed off on him. Joshua and Caleb, 
spent time around God, and because they did, God convinced them that with nothing other than God Himself, God would conquer the strongest military in the known world back then, Egypt. Get them through the desert, get them through the wilderness, take care of other enemies, and they'd get into the land of promise. And with nothing other than spending time around God, way before it ever happened, Joshua and Caleb were convinced it would happen. David, as a teenager, we got some teenagers here. I was in the class just briefly upstairs, and then we had teenagers up there. David was a teenage kid, but he spent time around Jesus, and Jesus rubbed off on him, and Jesus convinced him. They called him the Messiah back then, but convinced him that he can do anything. Not David, but God. So that rubbed off on David. So when he bumped into a literal nine-and-a-half-foot giant and the remnant nation, the church, the military, the soldiers, the brave, the warriors, they were afraid. But David's like, I've been spending day after day around God. He thinks he can do anything, and he's rubbed off on me, so apparently he can do this. And he did. Moses spent a lot of time up on Mount Sinai around God. God rubbed off on him so much, his face was shining like a light. His face was shining like a light. That's what Paul is referring to in 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is what Paul is paraphrasing, that our surroundings rub off on us. They do that. Go work out in your garden, you get dirt on you. Build the stage, you're going to get wood dust on you. Go to a bar, you smell like alcohol. Hang around smokers, and and you you smell like smoke. (coughs) Paul puts it this way, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul didn't fight against the way God made the human brain. Paul knew that's how God made the human brain, and he didn't fight against it. Paul leaned into it, knowing that's how the human brain works. He leaned into it, and he said, okay, be like children. Because you know what? One of the things children love to do, lots of things. One thing that the little children do is they love to watch their parents, for better or for worse, do what their parents do. Sometimes the little kid will go out in the shop and watch daddy, and if daddy is still, how can we say it, um, growing in a few areas, the little boy will come, or little girl will come back in the house and say a few choice words with mommy, and it's like, whoop, where'd you learn that little word? I was out in the shop with dad. Okay, (laughs) you have a talk with dad. And the same thing with moms and dads, and you know, they want to do stuff like us when they're little. It seems cute as they get older, it's not so cute. But when they're little, little kids like to watch their parents, sometimes knowingly, sometimes completely unknowingly. Mom or dad's watching television, they want to watch what you're watching. They want to dress like you, they want to talk like you, they want to go where you go. Paul knew this, so he says, Hey, Be like children and imitate, just make sure you imitate your Father in heaven. Watch him. Watch how he treats people. Look at what he does. Pray to him. Listen to him. Read your Bible. Spend as much time around your Father in heaven as possible, and he will rub off 
on you. He's loving, he's happy, he's peaceful, he's patient, he's good, he's kind, he's balanced, he's under control, he's into unity, he's creative, he's everything we need, and he'll rub off on you. And as Paul's writing this, the Holy Spirit impresses him to mention three specific things, to be loving, to be giving, and to be sacrificing. Because the Holy Spirit knew that the people in Ephesus, at least some of them, really needed some of these things to be loving, to be giving, and to be sacrificing. So he told them, hey, imitate your Father in heaven because you, you, some of you need those things. He was trying to help them with these specific areas. It reminded me of a church <laughs> that I'm aware of that it was a church plant like this is. And that church plant... They had a, some challenges. <clears throat> two different leaders, two different leaders at this, this other church plant uh, got into some trouble, I guess you could say. And the trouble was so damaging, it hurt their families, and it, it was dividing the church. And it was so <clears throat> uh, toxic, it caused the church to lose over 40 members a year for four years in a row. Now, the... The average church in Canada and America is about 80 members. Sometimes you might drive by and think, oh, look at that mega church. The majority of churches in Canada and America are approximately 80 members. And uh, most people don't have 160 members, let alone have 160 members to lose and keep operating. Well, in four years, they lost 160. 60 people approximately. <laughs> and they were able, by God's grace, to turn around because they renewed their focus on Jesus. And if you do that, Jesus rubs off on you. So they're renewing their focus on Jesus. As they were doing that, <clears throat> this, um, it started to show up because things show up. Uh, we just can't help it. It just kind of oozes out of us. Like when we were having, you know, when he was singing the songs, <clears throat> we had a little girl that was sitting right in front of me. Oh, she just couldn't help but just, oh, she had some wiggles. She just had to get out a little bit because she's still young enough. Uh, she hasn't learned what adults try to tell people in church that, hey, you can't get too excited. Don't, someone might think you're dancing. And she hadn't gotten that memo yet. She's not old enough to text, apparently, or email. She hadn't gotten that memo. And so she just heard music about Jesus and thought, this is kind of nice. And so she was just kind of moving a little bit because it was kind of nice to hear about Jesus and be excited about it. <laughs> and so when this church was starting to get their focus back to a better place on Jesus, you just can't help it. That stuff rubs off on you, whether it's music or this or that. It's just the way it works. So they're renewing their focus on Jesus, and it started to, to reveal itself a little bit. And this one, this one family, he was the pit prison ministries leader, and then his wife, they both had cancer. And his was worse, <laughs> no, rather, hers was worse. I think if I remember right, it was affecting her liver, if I remember correctly. And anyway, um, the, her liver was such a mess, she went to the doctor, and the doctor did not want to do operation on her. He said, your oxygen was too low, extremely low. Uh, your, your white blood cells were way too low. Your body is so unhealthy. 
that it won't survive the surgery, it's not healthy enough to recuperate afterward. Uh, you know, as, after we work in your liver, uh, there's an extremely low chance that the, that's going to reconnect and do whatever it needs to do, that you'll actually be cancer-free. I mean, it's this whole long list of, it's just like, oh, my word. <laughs> and if that's not enough, he said, literally, I'm quoting, he said that she only had about a 3 to 5% chance of living. How would you like to hear that news? 3 to 5% chance of survival. And the woman and the, and the family, they said, well, we don't care. We want the surgery anyway. So the pastor brought a church member and, and showed up and prayed with her, prayed with the family, anointed her there in the hospital, and uh, said, well, we'll just see what God has in mind. Whatever God has in mind, praise Him. And uh, during the surgery, as the doctor was operating, Sure enough, it was worse than he thought. Her liver was so bad, as a doctor, he cut her open, and the liver literally fell out, and most of it, like, disintegrated in his hand. His, his words. And he said, she should be dead, but she was alive. And she survived. And as they were recuperate, recuperating in the hospital... The church members, young and old, adults, kids, male, female, they went to their property. They went to their house. And they they did their own church version of a home makeover. They were out in the yard. They, They cut the bushes. They cut the grass. They hauled away all kinds of trash. They put on a new roof. They went into the house. The bedroom had a hole. The bedroom had a hole in the floor. They patched the, fo- the, patched the hole. They put in new flooring. They painted the bedroom. The two bathrooms, they fixed them. Different toilets, different sinks, uh, mirrors, painted them. The kitchen, they put in different appliances. They fixed the floor. They painted the kitchen. The living room, the office, they brought in new furniture. Inside and out, the place was made over. A couple places had, had mold. They got the mold out. They cut out the sheetrock, put in new sheetrock texture, paint. I mean, they fixed up the whole house inside and out. But the best part, the best part was that these normal human church members, just like us, were imitating Jesus. They were imitating Jesus. They were loving they were giving, they were sacrificing. It was a few years ago. Yeah, sure, the, the, the supplies didn't cost as much as they do, but it's still a sacrifice. Majority of human beings we know don't love as their first option to be giving money to somebody else. That's not typical human behavior, whether it's a high price or a low price. We can always think of, of ways where we prefer to spend our own money. But they were spending time around Jesus, and they couldn't help it. Jesus was rubbing off on them, so they were imitating Jesus. And they were loving, they were giving, they were caring, they were sacrificing. They were putting time and effort to help other people. And it was happening right there. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Paul writes, Be imitators of God as beloved children. <clears throat> Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That service 
that service, uh, their, their, their activity, their, what they were doing helped the home. It helped that family as they re- recovered from surgery and from cancer. That activity helped the church because then it rubbed off on more of the church members. It helped the community because the community and neighbors are like, what's, what's going on at their house? We, we know Bob and Barb and you're not them. Don't look like their kids. What are you guys doing here? Well, we go to the church over there and God just kind of, we kind of had the impression it would be nice to help them. And so we fixed up the place and Doing that revealed that God is alive, God is practical, God is helpful, God is useful. It helped the church to have something to care about and something to aim at, and it helped the family. Imagine coming home from the hospital saying, I should have died, but I'm alive. (laughs) And I mean, and look at the house they got. It was just church members caring, imitating Jesus. And in my opinion, the best part didn't cost money. The best part was people acting like Jesus. Atheists can go to Home Depot and buy wood. Atheists can paint. Atheists can do those things. But it was Christians who actually followed through and did it because Jesus rubbed off on them. Jesus rubbed off on them. Gave them the desire and ability to do it. Verse 3 and 4, Paul writes, but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Paul knows the best way to learn is by being around something and let it just rub off on you. Paul knows this. He's written about it in other places and many times. Paul is not fighting how God made the human brain. Paul knows how God made the human brain, and he's leaning into it, and he's saying, hey, careful, some of the Ephesian people, some of the members at the Ephesus church were spending too much time around unhealthy things, and it was rubbing off on them. Like a little kid trying to convince the neighbor kid, hey, I know you're in your pretty new clothes, but let's go play in the mud. Your mom won't care. She can wash your clothes. Let's go play in the mud. Sounds like fun, right? Yeah, I heard that, yeah. And some of the Ephesian church members were spending time around the wrong thing. (laughs) And as they spent time around the wrong thing, God's pure love, according to Paul, started turning into something impure. And their thanksgiving and happiness and joy (coughs) that was coming out of their mouths was (coughs) was starting to turn into filthy, impure things coming out of their mouth. And instead of sacrificing, they were coveting. Instead of giving, then we're now taking. Well, how does that happen? They were in church. They were just filled with God. They were just, how's that happen? Because what we're around, what we choose to be around with our five senses, if we're around it a lot, it starts to rub off on us. That's just how the brain works. That's just how the brain works. 
and I was putting together the sermon, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, what, what illustration can I use? What's a good story or illustration I could use to kind of continue to convey this point? And I thought, you know, most everybody here is already going to know lots of people that this happened to. You already, you can think in your mind or as you're driving home, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this person and that person. <clears throat> like a young girl I knew, she, she was, was so gifted with education-type stuff that she got straight A's. Even in the summer, she'd go to some camp to do more school when everyone else is like, whew, summer, I get away from school. And she was like, man, summer, I get to go do extra school. And she'd go to camps for this and that. And we were in the middle of nowhere, but she was so into school, Harvard paid attention to this young girl in the middle of nowhere, Harvard. And she was going to Harvard until she started hanging around the wrong stuff. And she never made it to Harvard. Instead, she ended up being a single mom, and God bless the single moms, but it, it, it's a tougher way to go if you can help it. And she ended up being a single mom and, and working an entry-level job. She started spending time around the wrong thing. I also know other people who were just really gifted athletically, and they got a full scholarship to a university. It's just like, wow. And they, before they got there, because they never did quite make it, because before they engaged in that and really just started getting a full-ride scholarship to university, they started spending time around the wrong stuff, and they never made it to any college, and today they're just drinking alcohol all the time and at an entry-level job. I know other people who, in school, when they were young, they were nice, they were fun, they were happy, and, and then they started spending too much time around the wrong thing, and today they're drug addicts. What's even more heartbreaking is you know people and I know people, because some of you have even told me about some of these heartbreaking stories how we probably, too many of us know people who, who oh yeah, so-and-so, man, they used to, they brought me to church. I know this one couple, they brought my husband and I to church. They're the ones that introduced us and they give us Bible studies and brought us into the church. And man, if, if you know, we've thought more than once through life, man, if anybody's ever going to get to heaven, it's going to be them. And now they're not in church, which the seats don't save you, even though we got new seats coming in October, praise the Lord. But I mean, the building doesn't save you. They're not even Christian. And you know those people. Because some of you have told me those stories and you're about on the edge of tears because you know the people. Because what we surround ourselves rubs off on us. <laughs> and, and nowadays we got that silly little thing called Facebook and TikTok and all these other things that, that tattle on you. 
that they tattle on us. What are we doing on Saturday? Is it what Jesus, is Jesus rubbing off on you? Well, look at Facebook. Where you going? What you doing? What you buying? And, and, you know, there's people that years ago, man, they were just surrounded by people and helping and love and giving and sacrifice and Jesus. And now you look at their Facebook and it's like, you know, you know, it's like, hey, party's at our house. And it's just something other than Jesus. We have those stories. We know those people. You know those people. Because what we surround ourselves with rubs off on us. Jesus, in in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 32, put it this way. He said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw you. Meaning if you focus on him, if you you surround yourself with Jesus, in the next verse, verse 33, (laughs) he made it clear that he's speaking in reference to his death and resurrection. Because if we let the blood of Jesus get all over us, man, it changes stuff. Paul in, in, if, is very clear in, in, in his letters that his main theme is Jesus' death and resurrection too. In chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, he words it this way, but it's the same principles. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us. Where do you see it most supremely? When he gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The human brain is transformed by what it's around. That's just how it's made. I've said this illustration before. If you spend four years in college doing a lot of math, guess what? You'll get hired as an accountant, uh, a treasurer, because you just spent four years surrounded by calculators and math. What you spend time around rubs off on you. Paul knew that. So he leaned into it and he told these people, okay, If you're going to imitate something, make sure you choose to imitate your Father in heaven. Let him rub all over you. Watch him, pray to him, listen to him, see how he treats people, check him out in nature. Nowadays, listen to your Bible on the smartphone, read your Bible, go to church, go to Sabbath school. Go to women's uh, small group, go to men's small group, go to to, uh, Monday night prayer meeting. You still got to sleep, you got to eat, have a job, but as much as you can, get Jesus to rub off on you because you all know as much or more than I do. They're not promoting Jesus at most of the schools. And you know as much as I do, if not more, they're not promoting Jesus eight hours a day at your work unless your work is my work. You got seven days a week where this entire world is trying to rub off on you. And a lot of it isn't amazing. We all start to live here. You still have to have a job. We got to go to school. Jesus can get us through. But we all need to make sure that we continue to just let Jesus rub off on us as much as possible so we have his love his giving, his sacrificing. If you want those things in your life and through your life to the people around you, those are things from Jesus. And we get them by continually choosing to have Jesus rub off on us. They don't happen by accident. 
Now that we're sinners in this sinful world, those amazing things don't just happen by accident. We have to continually choose to let Jesus be the thing that rubs off on us. And then he does. His love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his goodness, his kindness, self-control. Why do you think this world keeps falling apart and everyone's shooting themselves and we can't seem to get along? And Well, we can here at church because Jesus is rubbing off on us. And apparently he's not rubbing off on some of the people out there because they're continually falling apart more and more. And God doesn't want that to be the case for you. God doesn't want it to be the case for your marriage. He doesn't want that to be the case for your parents or your kids or your aunts and uncles or your friends. God wants life to go well for you and the people around you. And a way for that to happen is to just be around God. <laughs> As I was sitting here in the second row and, and we were having the music, this little girl, she, she was, like I said, she was moving to the music. She just couldn't help but let it rub off on her. My wife was trying to do a little patty cake with her. Oh, she was already with just like three. Oh, hey. What we do rubs off on the people around us like that, like that. A lot of the friends I have that are pastors in this conference, most of them are Spanish. You know, I'm around them, and I just, it just I, I, I can't help it. I want to try and practice my, you know, seven, eight Spanish words I know and get myself in trouble. I don't know why. It just, they're speaking Spanish. Hey, I should, you know, throw out a few, you know, Spanish words. What we're around rubs off on us. Continue to make sure that you keep having Jesus rub off on you more and more and more. You will, as you're in heaven for thousands of years looking back, you will never regret it. You're never going to look back and say, man, you know, Sunday I probably should have watched a little more sports. You're not going to look back and say, boy, you know, if I just would have watched a little more Lifetime or Hallmark so I could have had more fun stuff to talk about with the ladies, you know, you're not going to say that when you're in heaven. Right now, because of the world trying to rub off on us, man, did you see what happened on that show on Tuesday? It's such a big deal. It's going to change your life, man, until they cancel the program and then, oh, next year it's a different... The world tries to make it sound like a big deal. When you're in heaven, we're going mean, to, part of the time we'll laugh, part of the time we'll cry, and we'll just think, oh, my word. Choose what rubs off on you wisely. God is fun. God is the one that created adrenaline. Don't be a boring Christian. But choose wisely what you let rub off on you. Enjoy life. Ephesians 5, 1 through 8, in closing, Paul writes, Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God.
But sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure, you may be sure of this, that everyone who's sexually immoral or impure or who's covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. For at one time, he doesn't say you were uh, around darkness. He says at one time, you were darkness. Now you're light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light.